Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. No, Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. The Old Testament book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 16. The book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 16. We're continuing with our lineage of Jesus Christ and we had switched to a different phase last week as we talked about Rahab. And we explain how the lineage of Jesus Christ went through Rahab, who was a Gentile living inside of Jericho. And yet because of her faith, God spared her and grafted her into the lineage of Jesus Christ. Then on Sunday morning, we went and saw another Gentile lady by the name of Ruth, who was a Moabitess, who had decided to follow after Jesus Christ. And she was grafted into the lineage of Jesus Christ. And then we saw on Sunday night how her future husband, Boaz, as he carried through the lineage of Christ, was a picture of the kinsman redeemer. And we explained the three parts that the kinsman redeemer, the three qualifications the kinsman redeemer had to meet in order to be able to redeem. And we saw those, and of course we saw those within the Lord Jesus Christ. We also explained how Ruth had children by the name of Obed. Obed had a child by the name of Jesse. And now we're introduced to Jesse and his family inside of the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And if you don't mind, in 1 Samuel 16, let's start in verse number 1. 1 Samuel 16 and verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go and send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord, and call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked upon Elib. And said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on his height of his statute, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For the man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And again Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are all... 
are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he was sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and withal of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him. For this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord moved upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase and a name that we find in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16? 1 Samuel chapter 16, and notice if you don't mind, the first of all, the name in verse number chapter 16, verse 1, Jesse. And with that, notice the end of the phrase where it says, Provide me a king among his sons. And with this, we want to do a message, a character study on Jesse with the idea of him being the father of David. Jesse, the father of David. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the great privilege it is to be in your house today, to be able to open up your Bible and to do a character study. And to be honest, as we look through the scriptures, we often put our attention on King David, and rightfully so, that you've anointed him and put him in a special place. But now as we take a look at his father, we're asking that you would help us to get a good understanding of this background of who his father was, and some of the lessons we could learn from the father of David, Mr. Jesse. Again, I dare not trust my own. I need you in a special way. Fill me with your precious spirit that you could be a help and encouragement to your folks here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, without a doubt, as we had mentioned before in the prayer, David gets all the press. David gets all the attention. After all, he is the king after God's own heart. He was the sweetest psalmist in all of Israel. And we'll take a detailed look or a summary look at David on Sunday morning. But before we get there, we have to hit the next person in the lineage, Jesse. Jesse, the father of David. And as we look and see where Jesse pops up in Scripture, we could learn quite a bit about him, especially as the emphasis placed in Scripture is him being the father of David. The first thing I want to show to you here is that he doubted David at the anointing. He doubted David at the anointing. Well, in the context of 1 Samuel, what had happened is that God had allowed a king to come over Israel by the name of Saul. And Saul was the man after the people's own heart. Saul was tall. He was so tall, he was head and shoulders above all the rest. That means from his head to his shoulders, the, the normal sized person would just come to his shoulders. Saul was big, strapping, young, good-looking, very eloquent, a warrior, a fighter. He was everything that man could want in a leader, except that his heart wasn't right with God. So many times that Saul rejected God, so finally God rejected Saul. And now there's problem in the land because you have a leader in the land who is not right with God, and God has wiped his hands from him. 
That's a nation that's in trouble. And so Samuel the prophet has already been used. Samuel the prophet, remember, has a testimony that he didn't let any of God's words touch the ground. It's almost like a word picture that he had a basket looking underneath a fruit tree. And as the fruit would drop, he would be ready to catch every single one and didn't let a single one hit the ground. Now with that picture that he was also God's instrument that when God had a problem with someone, they would send Samuel. Which shows up here in the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 16. Notice if you don't mind as we pick it back up in verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I, God, have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Now, let me take a pause here. What a great relationship that Samuel had with God. That God could talk with Samuel and Samuel could receive it. And they're having a conversation. And by the way, Samuel is heartbroken because he was the one who anointed Saul at God's beckoning. He had invested and worked with Saul for about 20 something years now. And he's watching his investment into this young king fall apart. He had a personal relationship. He considered him friends. He mentored him. He tried to teach him the right way. And what a devastation it was to him to watch his trainee walk away from God. And now he's almost like a man who's in between two parties. Saul's upset with God because God won't let him have his way. God's upset with Saul because Saul keeps trying to have his own way. And here's Samuel in the middle trying to be friends with both of them. And Here he's having a pity party. He's upset. Can you imagine how many sleepless nights Samuel had? Broken hearted over Saul. And so God calls him out and says, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. Now, As a little minor reading here, pause. Interesting enough, probably about this time, Samuel has just finished writing the book of Ruth. And with the book of Ruth, how the emphasis was on the lineage of Jesus Christ. Of course, he didn't know the lineage of Jesus Christ. But he has just got through tracing the romance between Boaz and Ruth. And carrying out this small little lineage that they got together and they had a child by the name of Obed. Obed just had a child by the name of Jesse. And now the last little rung in the book of of Ruth chapter 4 is now being written that now Jesse is the father of David in this finishing up. But here Samuel has been used to be finishing up the book of Ruth. And with that fresh in his mind, that God is already preparing this lineage of Christ. Notice as it goes on now. Verse number two. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. That says a lot about Saul's character now. Samuel was his mentor and teacher. And he's afraid of Saul. That if Saul hears that Samuel is going to go anoint another king. Guess who Saul is going to be mad at? He's going to be mad at Samuel. And so Samuel knows that he is risking his own life to obey the Lord here. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. 
And the Lord said, take a heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. So God already planned out a way. Here you go. Just tell him you're going to go sacrifice. He won't think anything of it. If you just say, I'm going to do something religious, Saul will just roll his eyes and say, fine, do whatever you want. Just ignore it. Okay, sure. Let's do that. Verse number three. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. Thou shalt anoint unto me him whose name uh, who I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? Now remember, Samuel's already been used as an instrument for God to deliver message. And so when he shows up at Bethlehem, which is a little backwater town, and he shows up, the town elders met him and said, Uh-oh, why are you here? What's going on? What do we know about? And so now Samuel had to pacify them. They said, you come peacefully? And he said, peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. So he shows up. Town elders meet him. He tells them it's peaceably. I'm just going to sacrifice. No big deal. Here, why don't you come? And by the way, he sent a runner to go get Jesse and to bring his family. Verse number six, and it came to pass when they were come, Jesse and his sons, that he looked upon Elib and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now watch this. Samuel had fallen into the same trap. Why did he look at Saul? Why was Saul the man after the people's own heart? Because he was tall, good looking, healthy, strong, strapping, everything that a man would want in the leader. And so he comes to the first of Jesse's son, Eliab. And here he is, tall, strong, handsome. And Samuel says, look at him. The people would have no problems accepting him as king. We could buy that. God, let's get it done. And God says, no, 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 that's not who I want. Why not? Notice as God explains this in verse number 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his statute, because I have refused him. God had said, I don't want him to be king. I refused him. Now you're looking at all the outward things. I don't look on the outward things. Notice as God continues on. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for the man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. You know what the most important part of you is? Your heart. Now, of course, we're not talking about your heart muscle. We're talking about the spirit that's within you, the heart, the soul. God wants to know about your character. You know, you can make anyone look good. You could do a makeover, give them a haircut, make them stand up straight, give them a Bible, put on some good clothes onto them, and people go, wow, look. But you could be rotten inside and God says, that's not what I want. God is looking for that inner man, that close walk with him, that being with him, that desire to be pleasing to him, that relationship with God. You know, you could fool a lot of people, but you cannot fool God. God knows who you really are. Remember, integrity carries the idea of doing what's right when no one is looking. It carries the idea that who you really are is who you are in private, not in public. In public, you could look and act and pretend to be something. But when you're at home 
and no one's around you inside of your head. That's who you truly are. And that's what God looks at. He knows your thoughts. He knows your desires. He knows what you want. He knows if you want to be at church, if you want to read your Bible, if you want to pray, or if you'd rather do something else. He knows all about it. And so he looks at this young man and says, God, this is him. God says, nope. He looks good on the outside, but his inside is not right. I rejected him. I'm looking for someone who's right with me on the inside. Notice as it goes on, he calls son after son until verse 10. And again, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen these. None of those seven sons passed the mustard. Same father. What's the difference? Verse number 11, and, Jesse, and Samuel said to Jesse, he are all thy children. Uh, are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down until we come hither. And he sent and brought him in. And now he was ruddy, and with all of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is And Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed him in the midst of the brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramnah. So here is a father here who when the Samuel comes and says, "I, I want to anoint your kids with oil. I want them to come to the sacrifice. Jesse brought all of his sons but one. I'm not going to bother bringing the youngest one because there's no way he's going to get picked. He's not as tall or good looking. In fact, he's beautiful. He's not handsome. He's beautiful. That's not what you're looking for in a man. You're looking, you know, nothing like a, a, a young man being called cute. That's not what he's looking for. He's not looking to be called cute. I don't want to be cute. I'm a man. Here's David. He's beautiful. He's cute. He's small. He's no, there's something different about him. He likes to spend time outside singing songs to God. He can't be the leader. But God says, that's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. He can't be the leader. He spends too much time reading his Bible. That's what I want. God is looking for the man after his own heart. And the only way that you could have God's heart is if you spend time with him. And here's his father. Who didn't even think that uh, that David would even be qualified. Interesting enough is... Uh, God's instructing Samuel to anoint David. David's about 17. Saul is 67. And Samuel is 91. So here's an old man who's come from God. You know, God sees things in our lives that others can't see. Our greatest ability is our availability. That's the one thing that we have to work on is our availability. Our walk with God. Our being with God. And here's a father... Who says, sure, he's a good young man, but he can't amount. You know what the problem with Jesse is that he could not see God or see his son how God can see him. You know, there are so many times that we look at people and we don't see their potential. We don't see what they can amount to. We often see their flaws, their hindrances, their quirks. But God says, I'm looking for that inner man. 
you know, some of the most spiritual people that I know are the ones that seem to be in the most trouble. Why? Because it actually takes a lot more dependence on God to keep settled down and trusting God. Where everybody else is, they can't amount to anything. But they said, you don't understand how much control I'm having to exert just to be this settled down. I've seen people like that. Where they have to trust in God more. Somebody has a disability. Somebody has something that's wrong. I'm not so smart. I'm not so good looking. I'm so, yeah, but if they make themselves available to God, that's what God is looking for. God loves to use the broken things. He loves to use the things that people said can't be used. And again, the problem with Jesse, the father of David, is that he did not see his son as God saw his son. He didn't see the potential. He didn't see what could be done. And unfortunately, sometimes parents do the same thing. Get to the idea where they're saying, I am satisfied with having a good child. And they're not satisfied with having a godly child. You know, you could be a good person and not be a godly person. Parents should not be satisfied with having a good child. They should be satisfied with having a godly child. Having a child that has their own personal walk with the Lord. Well, that's not all that we see of Jesse. That's the introduction. Let's see something else here. We see that he directed David to carry supplies. So not only did he doubt David at the anointed, he directed David to carry supplies. So as we enter into the next chapter, we can see that the children of Israel are now going to war with the Philistines. And we could see the Philistines have lined up in a certain valley. And they have sent out their champion, Goliath, nine foot tall, standing in the valley. And day after day, he is calling for someone to stand up and fight against him. And the children of Israel are afraid. Well, David's brothers went to war. And here we can see Jesse here as he directs David to go take care and deliver. Notice this in verse number 13. It's 1 Samuel 17, 1 Samuel 17. And notice with me starting at verse number 13. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul into battle. And the names of the three sons that went to battle were Eliab the firstborn. And next to him was Abinadab and the third Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephoth of this parched corn and of these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how the brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were fighting in the valley of Elah, fighting the Philistines. So here's Jesse, he pulls David aside and says, here, I want you to take care of your brothers, go run these supplies up, and I want you to get it taken care of. Here Jesse had the wisdom also to make sure that the commanding officer was taken care of. And I want you to see this, Jesse trusted David to get the job done. Notice this, if you don't mind, and as we see it in verse number 20, and David rose up early in the morning, and left the sheep with a keeper, took and went 
as Jesse had commanded him. So here his father given him a commandment and Jesse had worked with David enough that he had trusted David to get the job done. And notice what David did. He woke up early in the morning. He left the sheep with a keeper. He made sure that someone took care of his responsibilities. And he, and he went. He did what he was told. What had happened is that Jesse had taught David something about responsibility. Now this is going to be important. We know how a parent teaches a child to respond to visible authority is how a child is going to learn to respond to invisible authority. If a child has to be told 14 times to do something, what's going to happen when invisible authority like God tries to speak to him? They're not going to respond. Or if they said, yeah, I'll respond, but it takes them forever to respond. Well, what are they going to do when God tells them to do something? It's going to take forever for them to respond. You understand that part of a parent's job is to teach the child how to respond to authority. And here Jesse is taking the time to work with his son. And he's got to the place where he trusted his son to do what I told him to do. And I don't have to repeat it. I don't have to wake him up. He had enough self-discipline to, and, and responsibility to wake up early himself. To make sure the rest of his jobs were taken care of. And to do what he was told. Part of this is important. How did David become the man that he was? Well, he developed his own walk with God. But he had a parent who also worked with him to have responsibility within his own life. Remember, this is all going to the idea. There's a difference between having a good child and a godly child. Remember that when we're raising children up, we're raising them up to serve God, to respond to God, because technically they are not our children. They are our children on loan from God. God owns them all. They're, we're going to stand before God and give an account for how well we raised his kids to respond to him. And this is a big responsibility here. You see, date, Jesse in the chapter previous, just watched his son be anointed to be king. Now Jesse has a different responsibility now. His job is to raise a king to follow after God. That's a big responsibility. You know, first of all, we have to see kids as God sees them. God sees these kids as someone that's usable by him and that God could use them. Second thing we have to understand is that here we are to raise them to respond to their God. And that's how we need to teach them. We're supposed to train them to follow after him, to respond to him, to obey him, to be ready to obey him instantly and immediately so they could follow what God has given them to do. And Jesse took this seriously and he did a good job. Which now brings us to something else we see in David's life and Jesse's life. 1 Samuel 22. 1 Samuel 22. We see that first of all, he doubted David at the anointed. Then he directed David to carry supplies. Then he depended upon David for his own life. He depended upon David for his own life. Notice with me 1 Samuel 22. 1 Samuel 22. And notice with me in verse number 1. 1 Samuel 22 and verse 1. 
And David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. When his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves together unto him. And he became captain over them, and there was with him about 400 men. Now let's pause here. As story goes on in 1 Samuel 17, we know that David, when he goes up to deliver supplies, he heard the giant Goliath issue a challenge. And David said, is there not a cause? Is there not someone to stand up for this? And so David said, if you won't, I'll do it. Because I could trust God to deliver. And sure enough, David stood before Goliath with a slingshot. And God directed that rock. And after that, Goliath was deeply impressed. Then David took the sword and cut off Goliath's head and the Philistines ran. After this, the people started to sing praises. Look at Saul has killed his thousands, David his tens of thousands. And they raised him up. Saul took notice of him and and David behaved himself wisely in the court of Saul and began to get more influence. But Saul began to get really jealous. Remember, Saul is not right with God. And he's deeply convicted With this young man who is right with God. And Saul is becoming more and more miserable. And remember hurting people hurt people. And so finally Saul can't can't handle it anymore. And he tries to kill David. David flees for his life. There's finally a break between Saul and David. After David had did everything he could to lift up his king. And now David is fleeing for his life. And he's hiding in the cave of Dulam, which is near the Red Sea. And David is content to be by himself. He's hiding in the cave and then one day he hears a sound. Someone's climbing up the cave wall. You can almost see him grab his sword and just wait as someone comes up. And pull themselves up into the cave. Now these caves are not deep on the floor. They're actually high. Looking above the Dead Sea. And here's his brother. Climbing up. David I've been looking for you. Here's dad. Here's mom. Here's the other ones. And then as word got out. Everyone who was in debt. Everyone in distress. Everyone that was discontented. Came to David. And they said, David, we're going to join you. We recognize that God has his hand on you. And there's something wrong with Saul. We're joining you. Now, notice what happened as David takes care of his parents. Verse 3. And David went thence to Mesphah of Moab. And he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you, till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while, That David was in the hold. What we could see here is that David realized his family was in danger. And whereas he's not opposed to have these people who joined with him willing to fight with him. He knew that he needed to protect his parents from Saul and the wrath of Saul. And so he went and made sure they were taken care of by going to a neighboring um, king. And making sure that his family was taken care of at this time. You know there was one time where... The parent, Jesse was the parent raising David. And now it came time where David could turn around in that investment and take care of his parents when they needed it. 
You know, there is a principle here that as we raise our kids to follow after God, later on, they will end up being a blessing to us because they were serving God. And that blessing is going to fall upon us. Now, the main thing that we're trying to get across here is that we need to see our kids, or as we apply it to Sunday school, our students, or as we're applying it to people that we're investing in, those people, and see them how God sees them. These are potential kings. These are potential servants of God. These are potential followers of God. And that, yes, they may have their quirks and you may look at them and say, how can God ever use someone like that? God can use anybody. And the greatest ability is their availability. We need to have the, the spiritual eyes to see them as God sees them. And then invest in them and appoint them up to God. And as we point them up to God and they start following after God, later on, we will reap what we sow and we'll get a blessing because they are following after God. This is the story that we have of Jesse. Not a long one, but a powerful one. How do you see others? You know, we always have that people in our life that bothers us. That we look and say, how in the world? I'm just tired of dealing with them. Well, how does God see that young person? How does God see that person? How does God see our children? What does God want to do with them? We need to be asking God, give us spiritual eyes that we can see them as you see them. Not just as man can see them. We look at people's flaws. We look at their faults. We look at their, their inabilities where God sees some powerful things, how they can be used. Help us to see people as God sees them. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.